0: You're listening to the Spruce and Brews Podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things whammy. Hello and welcome to episode 194 of the Spruce and Brews Podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. Jay. Hello. And returning from a week off, it's Andy hello hello hello
1: chaps it's good to be back
0: excellent stuff so we're recording a little bit late this week because uh there's been a little heat wave hasn't there here in the uk um but um, it is starting to cool down now so we're, we can actually lock you're ourselves th- away say our... that dave but it's
2: horrifically <laughs> hot still
0: uh, it's not as bad though it's not as bad i can i can actually sit in what i will call the the spruce and Bruce studio and not be absolutely like melting like i would have been if we were recording last night or the night before um so it's a little bit it's marginally better it's enough for us to podcast um so it's
2: still on... action action here we need some aqua guranis to cool down the uh, room a little bit
0: we do we do indeed so Uh, What have we got on this week's podcast? Well, the main segment this week is going to concentrate on our Necromunda campaign, the conquest of Cinderat Kratos, which has uh, uh, commenced in earnest last week. Um, So we're going to be chatting about how we got on in our first games, the games we've got upcoming, uh, and yeah, all that cool stuff. It, It was a very enjoyable evening. We'll talk about that later on. We're looking a little bit into the future because we feel there is potentially a new edition in the air for warhammer 40k so for our top three this week we are going to be asking each other what three things we'd like to see changed when 40k does transition over into 10th edition now matt put the question out onto twitter and it has exploded there have been lots of replies so we will get through as many as we can uh during this podcast uh, and read out some of the best ones Uh, we've of course got all the latest news as well Uh, we've got all the latest pre-orders and there's some other tasty little tidbits in there as well but before we get cracking with all of that let's chat about what we've been doing in the hobby since episode 193 Andy seeing as you had uh, last week off because you were unfortunately stuck
1: in work let's
0: commence the hobby update with yourself what have you been up to um
1: so like you said last week i was stuck in work doing night shifts so that coupled with the weather unfortunately has hurt my hobby in quite a bit um but i have managed to get on track with my necromunda stuff um i've managed to get my uh ridge hauler uh ridge runner sorry um i managed to get that built um kind of omen um and, ah and about how much i want to customize it at the minute um i'm very te- I- i've got the sort of like uh, an idea of changing it and converting it as the campaign goes on like i might buy another one in a couple of months time once the campaign's sort of you know getting towards the end of it and and see you know like battle scars and you know just stuff like that so i might do a bit of conversion on um a different one to show the same one but at a later time um apart from that i've been building my palanite enforcers um at the minute, I've only built about three of them. So I've got a couple more to build before I can sort of jump into to, into a game. Um, but apart from that, I have bought myself some of the new shades and contrast paints. So Ooh. I I gave it a bit of a go on the name Escapes Me, but the ogre from the Cursed City box set. Um, I've forgotten his name now, but I, I sprayed him up with the new... Um, is it white scar, uh, spray paint? Mm. Um, and gave him sort of a, a bit of a treatment with some of the new washes, just as like a tester model, really, just to see how, how that, uh, how that turns out. And yeah, I'm, I'm really impressed. I really like the new shades. Um, I was a bit mm, about Rykul and Flesh shade because I use that for pretty much all of my bases um but for most part it's ter- it turns out pretty much the same like sometimes you have to apply a bit of a um a thicker coat to get the same result but for most part it's pretty much the same which you know I'm, I'm super happy with because I think if they changed that I would have yeah I think my basing would have um had I would have had to come up with something to to get it back on track but um yeah that's pretty much it like I said I've just been cracking on with some necromunda trying to get all that belt so i can jump in and, and play a few games um i've also watched the how to play video on warhammer plus uh which i thought was actually really good and really informative so yeah uh, and then like i said just been playing around with some contrast paints and washers and stuff so
2: so how, how have you found them? Have the new shades have been described as kind of keeping to the recesses more and, and not touching the surfaces is that is that like a fair review of them i guess
1: yeah, um I mean to give you an example like Reichland Flesh Shade, for example, it 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 feels very much like um the Gilliman Flesh contrast paint. Um mm. it just a little bit toned down. Like if um uh, the Gilliman Flesh contrast paint was the equivalent of Agrax Earthshade, shade, then the new Reichland feels like Seraphine Sepia, if that oh, okay, makes sense. Nice. Um but yeah i i i've i've really enjoyed them the, the white is absolutely amazing and the mortarian grime i think it is um like i did that over um a bit of xandri dust and it really it it makes me want to do a death guard heresy army which <laughs> <laughs> is dangerous so but you know i I've, I've been really impressed by the the new washes and contrast paints
2: that's cool. That's really cool. Where have you found the some of the some of the old contrasts? You sometimes got like tide marks on flat surfaces. But some of the like promo shots and some of the stuff that people in the community sent them, some of them, like the yellow in particular look like they've got really good coverage, and you could get off quite well spraying white like uh, Imperial fists and using that new yellow to block in the base color.
1: Yeah, I I want to get myself some of the um. Um, intercessors or something like that just as like a test model or something on like those lines because I would, dare I say it like to try out the Imperial Fist contrast oh, painting yellow What did you ah. say Andy?
2: What was that? You want yeah. to try some Imperial Fists
1: out? Yeah, yeah, I, no, yeah, I knew you'd come round I
3: knew you'd come round
1: I, I need to try out the, te- um, the painting scheme for the those um uh, dead Imperial Fists I'm going to put on the bases <laughs> so you know I need to get that colour scheme down yeah, no, I've been super impressed by them. I think they're really good. Cool. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to get some more more models painted with them, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I've also been um, very tempted by those new contrast paints. I currently don't need any for any of the projects that I've got going. But maybe like you, Andy, I need to pick up a a random model or something just to try them out on. Especially like the the blues and stuff, like the frosty looking colours. I really fancy trying those out. Um like you a little bit nervous about the changes to shade, but i'm I'm sure I'll be okay um I will go next actually, so I've been doing a little bit more work on um a secret project which hopefully I can reveal in um a, a week or so um but apart from that, I have also been busy on a few other things so we're going to talk about Necromunda later on. Uh, I've not quite finished my All Locks yet. Um, I have now managed to finish all of their jackets, which I uh, hadn't got done by the time we played the other day. So all I've got left on those now is kind of the more finesse bits so like um, the the belts, the, the bags that they have, the, gu- the, the, the guns need finishing uh, and the goggles uh, and then they'll be done. So hopefully by the time my next game comes around, they should be pretty much there. Um, And and absolutely playing those games the other day made me want to get those guys finished off. However, I say that, however, I did cave a little bit. I have started painting something else that I've been desperate to paint for ages. Uh, And that is a screaming bell for my skaven um so i'm looking at me yeah obviously we've got our path to glory target for october i've got an awful lot of rats to do the 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 sensible side of me was like dave you want to get some more of your clan rats out of the way first and then treat yourself to a screaming bell but i I couldn't do that i I wanted to get the screaming bell painted and the way i'm looking at it is if i can do a really good job on screaming bell i can you know then carry on with some clan rats but at least my centerpiece kind of model for my army um is done so i'm enjoying painting that i can't believe how much timbers on that it took forever um but yeah it's uh it was a fun considering how old that kit is i really enjoyed building it like it wasn't too frustrating to build it was actually a really enjoyable build even taking into consideration that i wanted to keep a few bits separate so that i could paint them separate primarily the rat ogre and i tried to also do the same with the bell as well but i've ended up gluing that onto the um onto the actual frame itself uh of the screaming bell because i just think it's going to make it easier well actually matt was the one that said it'd, it'd pay it'd be easier to paint and i absolutely see where he's coming from Um so i'm glad i have done that so i'm looking forward to getting that uh finished um hopefully before the next uh, podcast yeah really enjoying painting that Um, And I think that's me, actually. Um, There is something else I'm doing. Um, I've been doing a lot of scribbling and writing and spreadsheeting for a campaign uh, that we're hopefully going to be running a little bit later on in the year. Post, post path to glory, uh, it's going to be a Warhammer 40k crusade campaign, which we're hoping to run alongside the purple sparkle unicorns, our local Warhammer gaming group, as they uh, expressed uh, a real interest. So, um, that's a more of a watch this space on that one. There's, there's still quite a bit of groundwork to do before we can really start getting excited about that. But, um, it's something I've really worked to get my teeth into and I'm, I'm looking forward to getting it completed. IJ what have you
3: been up to in the hobby this last week? Uh, so I have been painting Ironhead prospector squats. I've got my gang fully painted now. Um, I also painted the, is it the Vartian exo suit? Vartian exo
2: driller. Yeah.
3: Exo, oh man, such a cool kit. It's like a baby dreadnought.
2: Um,
3: <laughs> but I really enjoyed painting that one up. Um, and hopefully it'll be added to the gang as the course of the year. Through the course of the campaign. um,
2: yeah, so it's, the... it's currently up for pre-order at the moment, isn't it? Uh, Games Workshop sent us a, re- a review one a little bit early, so we have got a video and unboxing of that up. But uh, yeah, I'm really impressed with the paint job you did on that one, Jay.
3: Yeah, so I sort of inverted. It, it's based a, a little bit on the sort of stock scheme that Games Workshop have, have done on it, with that sort of dark, sort of incubated darkness, staggered and green type shade. Um, but then I've mixed in the the orange that I've used on my squats um, instead of in place of like the the grimy white. Um, so it does look quite nice against like it, it's a bit more um, like a, a darker color scheme than the rest of the squat gang. Um, but I'm, I mean, I really enjoy painting it, and I'm looking forward to seeing what else comes up down the line for the squats in Necromunda. There's quite a few weapon options which there are no kits for yet. So whether they get like an upgrade pack or something in the future, um, and of course vehicles as well. So um, so yeah, he was cool. Uh, I'm painting up the rest of the squats. real love I can't wait for the leagues of otan now. I've really enjoyed painting up these little space dwarfs. Um, myself and Matt we're off to the um, the first Horus Heresy 2 event at Warhammer World at the weekend
0: mm.
3: um, so over the course of this year Regulus as will know we've been busy sort of building and painting our Horus Heresy uh, Legion armies and I've been working on the Imperial Fists and they're just behind me now so this week I've managed to paint up um, 10 Phalanx Warders for my second Phalanx Warder squad there were some changes in the rules with the the right of war for the Imperial Fists where um that you use phalanx warders to fill out your compulsory slots so i needed two squads of them so i've got my second squad of those done and also a, a late entry to the army a, a heavy support squad with auto cannons there and all, all built as well and to lead them the um imperial fist sort of um legion specific console option the centurion uh, i've converted up one of those as well i've just finished painting him this afternoon um so he's my sort of second hq option he makes those heavy support squads line, so they'll be scoring, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Um, so, yeah, so the Imperial Fist are pretty much done now. I've just got to do a couple of bases over the next day or two. Um, oh, I, I converted up my um, Legion Cataphracty Standard Bearer as well, using some custodian parts and painted him up. Um, so, yeah, so they're almost ready for battle now on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, man, you've been super busy, Jay. Yeah, well, this is it. when you've got deadlines, it sort of spurs you on. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I, I was hoping to get back around to my. Um, I've sort of been chopping up and putting together a um, a rock grinder for my ironhead prospectors. Um, but then we've seen something in Warhammer community this <laughs> this week, which has completely put a put a block on that. And I shall now be. Uh, we'll come to that in the news. <laughs> yes, yeah, excellent, excellent stuff. And
0: uh, That just leaves one member of the team to find out what he's been up to. That is you, Matt. What have you been up to?
2: Yeah, so, so mostly this week, I have sweated <laughs> um, and, and slowly, slowly dying from the heat. And I've painted loads of really cool stuff, but I'd have to kill you if I told you, unfortunately. So I hope soon, soon we'll see some of this stuff. Uh, what I have been doing, though, is working on some of the lore for my Path to Glory army, my Nighthaunt army, and working out kind of the narrative arcs that I want to do um for me for the path to glory the the law side of things is as important as the army and i think i said on the show a couple of weeks ago i've got a little book with all the law in and the opponent might only see a few pages of this but i'll know it's there (laughs) and it'll be a nice little artifact to take away i've shown you guys the book It's, it's really really nice the book that i've got proper like uh kind of vellum pages and leather bound and it looks really cool and it will fit the kind of theme of the army so i've been working on some of that because i've just been nibbling away at that over the next few months until yeah. halloween basically when we have the event um and i've also been writing two potential lists for the horus heresy event so i've got a pure sons of horus list i've got a pure empress children list and i've got two contingency part and part lists and with all the stuff i've been painting that has jumped priority of my army for the weekend so depending on i'm off friday so depending on how much stuff i can get painted on friday that will determine whether i take the sons of horus who i'd like to take because i've got i've got um horus i've got abaddon I've got a cool uh, Sons of Horus army, and had fun playing you with them, Jay. Yeah. But I've also got an uh, Empress Children army, and I've also had ideas about a uh, mostly Emperor's Children with a detachment of Sons of Horus. It'll it'll all depend what I manage to get done Friday, and then I will make a list from that. So it's it's more of a narrative event. So I'm not really too concerned about a super competitive list. Just some cool models that I can roll some dice with and have fun, really. Excellent. Uh, That's really when, cool. when we're on the other side of that, then I think it will be really full steam ahead on the uh, the crusade and path to glory stuff because um, me and Andy are going to the um, I forget the name of it um, the, something tomb yeah uh, the 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 upcoming crusade event at Warhammer World and then obviously we've got the big uh, path to glory one that we're all going to at the end of October. So I suspect. A lot of our focus for the whole team will be on them once we get to the other side of the heresy event.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Before we move on to the news, um, a couple of little uh, uh, announcements. Uh, At the end of last week's show, uh, we spoke about episode 200 being around the corner. We're still looking for any submissions, any ideas that you would like to hear or see. Uh, In episode 200, would you like to hear us sort of having a bit of a retrospective uh, of Sprues and Brews? Would you like us to do some sort of quiz? Would you like a guest star on? Um, Let us know your thoughts uh, using our social media channels over on Facebook uh, or Twitter. We'd love to hear them. Um, And also make sure you subscribe to our podcast because um, Silly Dave may have forgotten to put a post on last week um, until it's a little bit late. Um, So if you do want to make sure that you get the podcast fresh from the oven as it as it were and then make sure you subscribe to us and you'll be able to listen to us as soon as it lands on your respective platform whether that be spotify or apple or whatever so uh,
2: dave's yeah. oven ready uh podcast
0: oven ready podcast uh,
2: uh so uh, on, on episode 200 as well what what one thing that is definitely set in stone is that rather than a top three we will want to know as is tradition your favorite sprue and your favorite brew now if you want to send us an audio clip of you telling us your favorite sprue and favorite brew i think with some audio trickery from dave we'll have those interspersed throughout the episode so if you do want to send them over uh spruesbrews at gmail.com and uh yeah send the clips over that'd be really fun
0: yeah you'll become internet famous asterix may not become famous um, so yeah, get those submitted. Um, I think we should crack on and move on to the next segment. That is all of the latest news. We'll be right back. So what do we have in this week's news Matt
2: Well, we've got um a, a bit of a random assortment of stuff up for uh, pre-order this week. So fans of the Horus Heresy will have seen the preview not long ago for the the siege leviathan dreadnought so this is the leviathan dreadnought armed with close combat weapons and uh, in a surprising rapid twist from its preview is up for pre-order this coming saturday it is going to cost 47 pound 50 which includes the chassis and uh, i believe you can give it claws or drills Uh, i want to say the drills are armor bane strength 12 the claws are brutal three Either way, it's going to hurt when it punches you. Um, So, yeah, there is a shooty version coming at some point in the future. So, yeah, if you want to do a Leviathan Dreadnought armed with a ranged weapon and a close combat weapon... That sprues available separately as well in advance of the shooty kit, which is a really nice thing that they did with the um Adeptus Titanicus stuff to give the option. So that's pretty fun. Uh, forty seven pound fifty is a lot cheaper than the I wanna say it was like seventy odd quid, Jay. The chassis of the, the old resin. Yeah.
3: One. Uh oh yeah, at least, yeah. And then like you say, that's just that's just for the body. Then you've got to add your um go on to the forge with Russ and I you've got to add your your, your right and left weapon arms as well. Yeah, you
0: might not see them so, on um, Forge
3: World now, because I think they, they stopped yeah. them, didn't they? Good call, actually. This is it, this is Dave,
0: the, yeah.
2: these, these plastic kits will replace the uh, the resin ones. Is that including the in two the, um, the
3: Legion-specific ones, though? I think you can still yeah. get them, can't but, you? So,
2: the Legion-specific bodies will still exist, but I guess that with the plastic weapon frames being available separately, you'll be able to give those Legion dreads plastic arms, which is yeah. cool. So, yes, that's exciting. Um, I think we're all going to want to add one of these to our assorted horus heresy armies there'll be definitely a purple one punching things at one step initiative higher than the others so hopefully <laughs> you can't punch him back that is the plan anyway i'm just um, uh, i'm just checking should, the
3: uh, site you know and uh, oh well the, the 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 dark angels leviathan dreadnought still there for, for 58 pound 50 for just the torso and the legs okay. but the, bl- the blood angel one isn't there
2: oh interesting, interesting. some of them yeah, might be even... reboxed with the heresy stuff Possibly, going on yeah but, uh, yeah Yeah, it's certainly cool. Uh, We've also got some releases for Warhammer 40,000 of the Chaos variety. And these I'm very interested in. Firstly, we've got the Chaos Courtists. But Matt, you might be saying, there's already a Chaos Cultist box on the shelves of my local Warhammer store. Uh yeah, there is, but this is a different one. So um the current one is a reboxing of the Chaos Cultists from Blackstone Fortress. I think you get seven or eight in the box and one of each special weapon option. This is a box of ten guys with no special weapon options, uh, but they're all individual sculpts. So I guess the idea is that a box of these plus a box with the special weapons. You've got like 18 unique looking models. Um, well, I will say these models look amazing for Necromunda yeah, as a hive do. scum or as a chaos um, gang. I think I'll be picking up a box of these to use for Necromunda because they look really cool. And also, if you're playing Horus Heresy, obviously the, the army list isn't out yet, but they're kind of like lost in the dam, Slave to darkness, various traitorous scum. List, uh, you could probably build it up relatively cheaply using these. Uh, the kit is £27.50, which I feel is a little bit on the pricey side considering it doesn't have any special weapons, but they are really nice sculpts. Uh, alongside this, we've got the dark commune as well. So, this is the unit out of the Chaos Space Marine box, which is basically a, Psyker, a uh a buffing banner and a priest with two bodyguards as a single standalone unit. The models look phenomenal. And again, a lot of these will have dual purpose in the Horus Heresy as well. That box is £30, which I think is a a really good price considering the, the three main kind of character models of it just look amazing. Now, if you wanted some Chaos Chosen and you didn't pick up the battle box with them in, you can now get them separately for £35 with a range of different weapon options. And the Warpsmith... From that same box. It's all sort of pre order for £24. Now, people will be saying that hang on a second, the obliterators are one of the best units in the Chaos Space Marine box, and the stock collected in box is gone. Well, don't worry. The sprue that contains the Venom Crawler and two obliterators will also be available uh, separately now as well it's not on the general like retail list so i assume this is gonna be direct from games workshop and i want to say the indomitus and dominion sprues were about 60 pounds or something where they? they were expensive mm, um, they were, yeah. so um so i don't know how much these are um but I mean, you're getting the two obliterators and the Venom Crawler, which are again certainly the Obliterator are amazing units in the game, and the Venom Crawler is really cool. So I can see a lot of people buying these, even if it was like 50 quid for the sprue, the people would probably pick it up for those two units really. And um, hopefully, yeah. at some point in the future, they get multi-part plastic kits. But at least you can buy them now, can't you?
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd nah. love to see. Uh, I'd love to see. Um... A, a, a proper kit for the obliterators so there's so much fun stuff they could do with those um it's a odd one that one but at least the two models that you can pick up are very cool
2: yeah, I, yeah and they are nice models they've they've um aged well really haven't they considering a the few years old kind of monolo pose kit they still look really really good don't they yeah they do Now, Jay alluded to earlier that we've seen something cool for the leagues of Votan, the Space Dwarves of Warhammer 40,000. And after being a little underwhelmed by some of the previous models, and that surprised me as a big squat fan, um, I was blown away by this. And I think everybody on the team was. The Sagittor ATV. So this is the um, all-terrain Transport, rapid response, ATV—it's just beautiful. Jay, do you want to tell us about this thing?
3: Oh man, it looks like a Russian space buggy, doesn't it? It's ace.
2: It does. Um, it really does.
3: Yeah. So it sort of—it—it doesn't look like anything the Imperials produced, but it still looks like it's got that heritage in sort of humanity's sort of technology. So you can see where they've diverged, you know, thousands of years ago. You know, the, the weapons look a bit like bolt weapons, a bit like LAS cannons, but not quite. Um, really, really nice kit. And I really like the sort of background and sort of the hint at the rules we get f- through it as well, where it's talking about these things are taken in pairs. You split your squad up across them. It's going to be interesting to see what the rules are for this kit. Um I mean, and the, 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 I think that one of my favourite parts of the kit has to be the, the bubble canopy. I think that's really, really cool. Quite a bit mm. like the Mechanicum flyers, I thought. Um, and also I wonder the... if
2: that's the same plastic part, you know.
3: Oh, possibly, yeah. And also those, um, those Votan drivers, how cool are they?
2: <laughs> so, yeah, they've got a box out on Warcom where... You know the scene in um, Star Wars where uh, Red Squadron's checking in. That's all I can hear in my head. Seems all <laughs> these various squats kind of strapped in on the things. Um, yeah, this. Uh, well, uh, most of them would look cool. There's a few i was bit, on. This just sells it to me. It. We talked about it a bit with the squats for Necromunda that the the in universe gear. So the. Um, the the, the 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 vartian mining suit it is predominantly for mining and you kind of see this from this as well i i get the impression that this wasn't originally a kind of war vehicle it's got like a roll cage it's like a hazardous environment thing you could see the 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 leagues of Ocean and using this for scouting out and finding like good locations for mining bases and stuff and then they fitted some guns to it yeah, See, you've
3: I'm... even got like the supply pack on the back with like the pickaxe and the all the like ropes and packs and I mean are they lunch boxes? I can't tell. Lunch boxes or demo charges maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking you at need it.
2: Can you need to be a... careful you get lunch box or demo charge right?
1: <laughs> See, I, I, I'm looking at this for Necromunda and I'm I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, this feels like an all terrain vehicle to me. And it feels like something that the Palanite enforcers would definitely want to use, and the fact yeah. that it's got um, multiple big guns strapped to the back of it, yeah, I, I look at this and I think, yeah, this is, this is really cool. I mean, I think for um, the mining guild as well, this, this sort of vehicle would look really, really cool.
2: Yeah, I think it would work perfect for a lot of uh, Necromunda gangs. It's, it's a little thing. But I really like the aerial on the back of it as well. I don't think we see enough aerials on 40k vehicles. And obviously this is operating out kind of far from, you know, your standard army and stuff. It makes sense that it's got this big kind of twist in reinforced aerial for picking up signals back from base.
3: Hmm. Yeah. And then right at the end, it says that the Sagittar isn't the only vehicle in the League of Otan's garage. That's so all we've got no. time for today. So if this is their sort of ATV rhino equivalent, are they going to have a main battle tank equivalent? I hope so.
2: Well, let's not forget back in the day, they had like a land train. Yeah. So that would be amazing. They had termite drills. There's lots of cool stuff they can do for the Votan. What we've seen from the bike and this is something unique, and I kind of hope that we get that. There hasn't yeah. really... Been much leaning into the classic like 80s, 90s squats, has there? There hasn't, no. That's been no. kind of been left to Necromunda, really, for mm. the slightly cheesy aesthetic. These are something new, so yeah, I'm super excited. I also like that color scheme, and again, little left references to uh, Cthonus here and there as well, which is interesting. Mm.
3: You're talking about the green?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very some of scheme, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows? Who knows? But yeah, so that is super, super exciting. Now, speaking of Necromunda, we saw two new hired guns today. The Gorvos Crime Syndicate. So these were in, I want to say, the um, Book of Judgment, I think they're in. Uh, and this is a crime syndicate. Two characters... Vundo Goros and uh Gayen, his sister. And these look absolutely amazing. Now, they're probably not gonna hang out with you more kind of uh legal, lawful war bands, but um I will certainly be employing them to my more sinister gangs in the underhive. The the the, the main guy with I don't even know what it is. Sat on his shoulder, um, it looks amazing. It's like he looks like a rogue trader, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, I think just just for painting up, he looks amazing. And then his sister throwing like um, grenades and yeah, I've I, I think I've picked up every like bounty hunter model for Necromancer because I like using them for the uh, the Venator bounty hunter gangs. And these will absolutely be on the shopping list. Having got your first taste of their Necromunda, Jay. Can you see yourself maybe employing any kind of bounty hunters and hired guns to reinforce your uh, squat mining guild?
3: Not, not any of the tall ones. (laughs) Not
2: any of the tall ones. Maybe the shorter (laughs) ones.
3: The shorter ones, yeah, Yeah. for sure.
2: (laughs) Yeah, these these guys look really, really. My guys, my
3: guys don't need any help, as you'll find out.
2: (laughs) This is this is also very very true. (laughs) So, um. We don't know when these are out but hopefully not too long because I really want to paint them up because they look amazing. And the final bit of news I've had this week the Citadel Killer. And the final bit of news we've had this week, the Citadel Colour app has been updated uh, with the new contrasts and shades and spray. Um, and at first I was a little bit dubious the the Citadel Colour app was good in the past but one of the things that let it down for me was if I was looking for a specific video I'd have to go to YouTube and find it. One of the big things that they've done in this revision of the app, every YouTube video they've done is now tied to the app. So you can search Nagash in the app and find a Nagash painting video. So that's really, that really good. cool. Uh, they've also added the function of adding projects to there as well. So, Dave, if you're painting Skaven, you can go into the app set a Skaven project, pick a thumbnail for your Skaven project and then add all the models that you haven't painted yet for your Skaven and then within that project in the app you've got the colour scheme for your your Screaming Bell, your Greyseer, your Clan Rats, all within the app collapsed under that project and then once you finish that model you can take it off the project just leaving the stuff that's outstanding to paint so there's no hunting for those those schemes elsewhere, it's all contained within the app. I think that's a really really cool idea
0: i miss that i i miss that about the projects don't know how but um yeah that's very cool
2: yeah that's probably the biggest addition to it and then obviously the um the, the whole kind of like painting list and wish list and all that is still there as well so it takes a little bit of time but what you can do is go through and mark every paint that you own which means that when you go to games workshop and go i'm picking up some paints but i can't remember which ones i've got you can open up the app and see which ones you don't have or which ones you need replacements for Hmm. so yeah highly recommend updating it it's the same app they've not replaced it by the time you're listening to this your phone may have already updated it so make sure to check it out um it looks really really good um i know some of the apps in the past have had a bit of beef um but the, i think the paint app's really good with this update
0: excellent yeah we've given that a go especially that project bit that sounds uh, that sounds really fun Excellent stuff. Um, we've obviously spoken a little bit about Necromunda in the news, but our campaign has now started. So let's give everybody a bit of an update of how we've got on in the next segment. So we'll be right back. So for the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about an upcoming Necromunda campaign that we're going to run. And the good news is it has now commenced. Entitled The Conquest of Cinderat Crater, this takes part in the Ash Waste with Matt as the what's what's the name of the the people arbitrator who... arbitrator. The arbitrator essentially
2: the the Necumander word for a games
0: master. Excellent. Um, so Matt will be leading the campaign, but he will also be taking part as well because we're all bringing gangs along, um, for funsies. So I am taking the Orlocks. Uh, Andy, you have got um uh, the police, basically the Palatine enforcers. Uh, Jay is taking the squat pres- What What's their actual official name? Iron Head Squat Prospectors. That's the ones. Uh, our friend Lee has the Delac, and Matt uh, is primarily, because I'm sure he's got some sneaky shenanigans going on, using the Ash Waste Nomads. Um, so last Thursday, um, down in my conservatory, we ran two games side by side. Uh, I was up against Lee and his Delac in a zone mortalis um mission whilst jay and uh, whilst jay and matt took part in an actual ash waste mission and um, matt do you have those missions to, to hand
2: for their names so yeah let's 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 rewind a little bit first so while, while those games go on there's the overarching campaign itself so syndra crater is the remains of, of a hive city that was in Necromunda. There were some sh- shenanigans, and the reactor of a hive may have detonated, and there may be a thousands of kilometres wide crater in the centre of Necromunda. That's, that's beside the point. That's fine. This place has now become a major trade route on Necromunda, and, and the Lord Helmore is a little concerned that there seems to be some shenanigans going on on these various trade routes, and has called in the um, the aid of the various gangs that we've we've heard mentioned above in order to kind of restore some order. Now, it's necromunda All these various houses are at each other's throats. The Ironhead Squats want to make some decent trade routes throughout it and get a profit, basically, on this, while also keeping in the favour of the Lord Helmore. Um The Palanite Enforcers have also been deployed to try and keep order. Now, the Orlocks and the Dalak, I don't know what their... Um, what they're up to, I don't trust in myself personally I'm sure <laughs> Lord Hellmore probably wants to keep them at arm's distance but you know, they're, they're, impo- they're an important tool, unfortunately for um, Helmore, the Ashways Nomads have fallen upon these trade routes as well and they're disrupting them and, and ambushing convoys and stuff, so as such there's a bit of a scramble over the planet to get control of major trade routes that connect some of the major cities within here so at the start of the campaign every player was assigned a number of territories that belonged to them. And in the first campaign week, the various gangs challenged other gangs for control of some of these territories. So in the games that we played last Thursday, we were fighting over the five ways, where the Dalak and the Orlocks were trying to get control of this near wastes route that ran from the Ashtorm Observatory to Cinderack City, and then further down the same road, the, uh, the Ironhead squats were ambushed. I say ambushed, it didn't go so well for them, but were ambushed <laughs> by the, uh, by the Waste Nomads for control of the flats, which is a road running out of Cinderac City towards the uh, Ashstorm Observatory. So it's, it's quite unusual. Even though these battles were in different areas, we were only really down the road from each other. Now in Games of Necromunda, Various roads are in, you know, some are closer to the hive, some are a bit further out. So, um, as we said in your battle, there was a, um, a, a, I think it was probably underneath the observatory itself, where the Dalak fell upon the um, the orlocks. I believe that the um, the Delac had some various resources within their base and some outrageous orlocks wanted to kind of raid the place get these containers and get them out of themselves so Dave you tell us what, what happened did the orlocks manage to uh, succeed what 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 went down
0: uh a lot of fun absolutely went down. A lot of carnage, Matt, happened during our game. Um, so yeah, first of all, it, it was really cool playing on your Mortalis scenery. It's been a while since um, I played a game in Necromunda. I was really looking forward to it, and I've never fought the Delac before, so that that was interesting. So I had a bit of a jump on Lee in this mission because Lee couldn't start with with his entire gang on the board. Um, so what I primarily wanted to do was take advantage of this by. Almost kind of throwing one of what I foresaw as one of my deadliest gangers forward to, to try and create some trouble and try and take out um, a delight gang of early doors. And that was Tanya, my, my one and only wrecker armed with a demo charge. Now, I had a feeling these things, because they are quite pricey, would, would be quite good. Never used one before a necromunda. So she leaped forward she threw one and actually she managed to take out two gangers as it bounced down the stairs and exploded um so a very good start for the orlocks Um what quickly happened though was um so i was trying to obtain these crates i was trying to drag these crates off the map and um, to to earn credits and to also complete the mission i think i needed to at least capture two of them so that i had um equal to or more than what was left on the board of wise lead one um Whilst there was a lot of um Dalak members being taken out, uh, unfortunately for me, he did a very good job, um, Lee did a very good job of protecting his loot crates. And by the time the game ended, he'd really positioned his gangers in such a way with the remaining um loot crates, so I'd, I'd managed to get a one-off, that I could not without risking further injury because by this point we've both taken casualties um my uh guys and gals that that gained quite a lot of experience have been taken out um and I, I i didn't really want to sacrifice it was hard for me it would have meant sacrificing a ganger or two with the potential of managing to get the crate but because of how these remaining gangers were it was going to be very difficult so after i think we played quite a few turns and um, but in the end I, I had to sort of say i'm not going to be able to to manage this um so we ended the game and unfortunately it was a loss for myself um but i think if i'd have carried on i mean I've, i'm going into the next game with three characters two of which um actually managed to to, to gain quite a lot of experience bullet bill with his two pistols. Didn't get to use those two pistols, but he did kick a Delac membrane in the head. Um, (laughs) uh, And uh, Tanya, uh, with her demo charges, I mean, I kind of knew she was going to get a a lot of gunfire because... she by throwing the demo charge she was kind of out in the open so i had a feeling that she was kind of going to be a bit of a sacrificial um model Uh, but she's in recovery um as well as i think i've got one more that's in recovery oh harry the 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 hammer hammer, yeah so he was he's one of my champions so he is a bit of a painful um guy to be he managed to pick up the crate at one point and but before he could leg it he um, got a web gun to the, or fa- web pistol, I think it was, um, to the face, uh, and unfortunately got got taken out. I think he got his head kicked in as well. So um, you were
2: you were quite lucky though with the injury rolls. I think uh yeah. Bullet Bill who got the, I forget what it is, the best result on the chart where actually they get some experience, they go into recovery, but they get some bonus experience. Yeah, he got for, some uh, XP. Absolutely,
0: yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, he rolled um, a double one on the injury chart. I think it was. Um, which yeah, yeah is, is probably the best one to go for so um yeah it, it, it was it was a tough game and um, but a really fun introduction game to the campaign because i'm not played for a while it was nice to actually play as own mortalis before delving into using vehicles in the ash waste because it has been a little while so um yeah, yeah. really enjoyed it I mean, and it's fired me up for on, the next on one
2: the, Did... on the Delac side um you you managed to cause quite a bit of damage to the gang. I mean, I think the stray um, demo charge, did it hit Black Wasp, the Master of Shadow, and take him out of action?
0: It did. It did, actually, yes. Yeah, I mean, it was such a lucky throw that it bounced down the stairs and managed to catch him as well. Um, at that point, like, even after, like, turn one, I was thinking, this this is looking pretty good for me. But um, I did not manage to, to use... It's a, it's a tough one I didn't want to push too far forward But maybe I really should have done Whilst Lee had kind of Three guys down And um, still had some of his gangers to come on Because once they came on He was able to shore up his defences a little bit he had his yeah, you, you had stone. a massive
2: advantage Turn one in that You you were probably at that point About 500 credits Advantage over him
0: Hmm. Mm. So he had a
2: couple of a couple of strong guys out, didn't he? Uh, did that? He did. did the fact that there was a campaign? Obviously, we've, we uh, we've not played a campaign in the past. We've played some one-off games, and did that affect your playstyle, Dave? Knowing that it could be very costly if you lost, for example, Rufus, your leader. That's two hundred yeah. credits, and in the Bash Waste cash is hard to come by
0: absolutely so um if we take sort of the, the the final turns rufus had positioned himself quite well to take out um lee's guy with the, the web pistol uh, which is an absolutely phenomenal weapon in necromunda um but it if the plan did not work it would have left him susceptible to a to return fire um and I really didn't want to, especially with having at that point already lost or already having three gangers in recovery. It, 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 to me, it didn't feel like I wanted to win the mission. But like you say, I had to think of the bigger picture um, and the other crates. You know, I, I had a couple of guys up on a vantage point. I was like, maybe do I sacrifice one of them so that the other one can maybe run up behind him and grab the crate. But I didn't want to take that chance because I didn't want to go into my next game because I wasn't I didn't earn that many credits during that game either. So it wasn't like I could patch up my um, roster by taking on a new ganger. I can't afford one yet. Um, so yeah, that that did mean I unfortunately had to concede because I really didn't want to lose another ganger.
2: You, um, so you, you made this challenge on the five ways just coming south of the Ashton Observatory Now I know that's not kind of... Connected to any of your existing trade routes, what's the uh, what's the thoughts? Is Cinderac City to the Ash Storm Observatory a route that you've got your eye on? Then
0: it is, yeah, it was one that where my starting territories, um, there wasn't anything around there that really there didn't, there wasn't anything that jumped to mind that would be an easy grab, and mm. um, there's also a lot of territories around there that are um taken up by you guys and i i just saw this trade route and i thought you know maybe i can on the quiet sort of take that trade route away from everybody else uh unfortunately it's failed on mission one but you know the the, the hope was there
2: yeah so, so is, it's worth saying that the, the, the benefit of that trade route from ashstorm observatory to Cinderac city it's known as the spire straight and if you can have all the roads that connect those two points you get a free bounty hunter of your choice in every game while you hold that route now considering bounty hunters can be like hundreds of credits that is a very lucrative route to get a hold of
0: yeah could, could have could have could have been why i was going for it <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to keep it on the download you keep it shrewd but um, sadly I've, I've lost that territory now so um we'll we'll see there's still time in the campaign left
2: so well, yeah so that, that that was cool and that was because it was in the near wastes. Generally speaking, your near waste ones have got a chance of being any environment type from the zone mortalis, the sector mechanicus, to the the ash wastes. So then we've got the deep wastes, which will be a mixture of uh, sector mechanicus and ash waste games. And then we've got the wild wastes out on the outskirts. And there's not many of these on the map. They'll generally be ash waste games. So it's quite nice that over the course of the campaign you've got those environments and also from a picking locations point of view say if dave you prefer um zone Mortalis games because it suits your playstyle. you want to pick those yellow routes on the map mm. um so me and jay were also fighting over a yellow route i think this was your challenge uh jay yeah. for the flats which is a road coming north of cinderack city so first of all do you want to tell us why why did you go for the flats
3: yeah, so, well, you've talked about the uh, the one trade route that runs between Cinderark City and Ashdome, uh Observatory. And uh, it surprised me, actually, that Dave tried to stake a claim there because he's sort of out the way. But it does sort of mm-hmm. throw a spanner in the two trade routes I am aiming for. So it means I'm not going to be able to get these trade routes in the first half of the uh, the campaign because we can't challenge other opponents for territories. Um, so that was the uh, Spire Straight, but there's also a run uh, that goes from Light's End to Cinder Arc, Dawn Run, which sort of it, 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 I've got the Iron Ridge already, so if I can hook on the Iron Ridge to the Spite um, Spire Straight trade run, that gives me two trade runs in one, run, two trade <laughs> routes in one, um, so to speak. Um, so there is a, another way I can I can get around, uh, but it, again, it, it now forces me in the second half of the campaign to either challenge. Andy for the Rad Light Expanse and potentially the Oro, depending on how our game with Andy goes, um, or the Delac Gang for the Five Ways. Um, so yeah, so 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 a lot already things have uh, got got a quite uh, mixed up in the uh, early days of the campaign. It's really cool. Yeah. So sure. yeah, so I went for the flats. The flats I thought gives me options for both those trade routes. So I thought it was a good pick.
2: Yeah, well, I I, I think that's a good call. Like you say, you've got you've got the light centers in drac city via the spider mines to fall back on just in case but unfortunately yeah either way you're gonna to have to challenge people in the second half you, you, your perfect run in the first half of the campaign is trying to get a trade route without any opposition because then you can start getting some money kind of rolling in can't you because i think that's quite a lucrative one i think it's 46 credits every month
3: yeah, well, this is it. at the beginning of the uh, at the beginning of the campaign. We were each issued with two two sort of roads that we control, and I had the Low Road, I believe, and the uh, Iron Ridge. Um, but they only gave me D six credits each, so I didn't get I don't get many credits from the territory as a whole. Now the Flats, I think, is quite a good one, so that will give me a, a bit of credits. But yeah, if you can get those trade routes in, you're sort of setting yourself up to equip your gang later
2: on. Yeah, it's it's. Um, forty-six times ten credits. So on average, you're getting a hundred and forty credits every month, which can easily equip you with some decent, decent gear.
3: Yeah. So, so yeah. So I made my challenge uh, to to Matt um, for the flats uh, for my first game. So this would be my second game of Necromunda ever. Um, and we were sort of. Out in the wastes, a little bit away from civilization, there was like a the, the battlefield we were playing over was like a um, an Ash Nomad sort of settlement, a few buildings, sparse terrain, and sparse cover. Uh, I imagine that the uh, the Ironhead Prospectors had, had just rolled in in their in their transport, and, and you know, is this place empty or or not? And then all of these Ash Nomads sort of crept out of the dunes and lifted over there. Are they called sky mantles, the cloaks they hide under? Mm. It was really cool. And before we get into the mission itself, I just want to say that the actual, I mean, I'd always envisioned Necromunda games as quite a close, confine, industrial-type setting, lots of corridors and gantries and n- not much, um, you know, line of sight and lots of cover and things. But this was quite an open game. It was more akin to a game of Warhammer 40,000. But the scenery yeah. we were playing over, which was the new um, sort of hab blocks, I mean, Matt's done an incredible job of painting them for a start. But they were so cool. I, I was really um, impressed with how much I enjoyed the, a game of Necromundo over such ska, uh, sparse sort of terrain and scenery.
2: Yeah, um, the, the Ashways kind of rule set plays that as well because you've got the vehicles, you've got while you've got line of sight and range. Certainly in this game, there's some tricks that you can do to limit that as well.
3: Yeah, so the the, the, the well, the mission we were playing were was that um there were basically three caches in three buildings across the middle of the of the sort of battlefield and uh, if you were able to control each of those um caches all three of them then you would win the game uh, so that's what you're aiming to do try and control three of them if you couldn't control three of them you wanted to control more than your opponent controlled before one or or the other gang bottled it and ran away um and what was key was you had to maintain control of them. so it wasn't enough just to walk onto it tag it open the cache and move away you had to actually sort of like keep 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 gangers around there to keep control of it um so yeah so the game sort of played out with lots of sort of long-range firepower initially but then i think we actually closed quite quickly and there were some sort of short-range gunfights in the uh in the middle of the board there were some cool moments where vehicles almost ran over uh ashwaste nomads and snipers were trying to take out gang leaders and all sorts of things it's really really cool
2: yeah my um my Ashface nomads suffered badly I, I was unlucky with my rocket launcher and my sniper both couldn't really get a clear shot and then the the crack shots of the squads quickly dealt with those major threats didn't they
3: well, I, I had a lot of luck on my side because a lot of the squat weaponry has the rapid fire rule where you can roll additional ammo dice and you get you get to make additional shots. Um, so although a lot of my gang was inexperienced in hitting on fives, I was sort of making up for that with the additional shots I was getting. And certainly Guff Gunderson, who is the um, the drillkin specialist with the um, uh, iron head bolt gun, so I've got one bolt gun in my army, in my gang, um, he was murdering Ashways Nomads left, right and centre. And I, I, I mean, I was I was chancing with luck each time I fired that gun and never ran out of ammo once. So an ammo check for that gun is a six plus. And in our first game in Ekremundo, I think I got one shot off with it and ran out of ammo for the rest of the game. Whereas in this game, Guff Gunderson was just walking through the, through the battlefield, mowing everyone down with that ironhead bolt gun. I suspect he may be a bit of a prime target in future games.
2: <laughs> you got that right. Now, there was some adverse wear the conditions that I don't think the Squats maybe realised are being controlled by the Waste Nomads as well
3: Yeah you've got your Shaman in the back there who was reducing uh, the sort of visibility over the course of the game now luckily for me I was able to sort of stay in range of that reducing um, like Sandstorm which reduced so I, I, I was getting closer and closer to each turn so that I was just in range to be able to shoot a dump I think only maybe once or twice I was sort of out of range to, 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 to fire at you um but I think as well it, it it also hindered you, but I think we talked about this during the game Those credits we are earning in these games you can you obviously you can plan for that you can start equipping your guys with with the goggles and the lumens and things like that in anticipation of those sandstorms coming in, which other gangs I think it may catch them off off guard a bit
2: mm, absolutely uh, there were some fairly cinematic parts though i think my my dust riders really kind of. I didn't win the game, but I won, got one cash, and that was really down to uh, Sue Shah, the dust rider, who made a valiant charge through a volley of squat fire to take the, the, the far kind of objective. Now, unfortunately, <laughs> most of the squats then opened fire on him, and he, he survived the initial volley, but then slipped and broke his neck as he fell off the uh, platform. Yeah. <laughs> so... At the end, at the end of the game, we had to. I had to run a medical test. I'd managed to earn. I'd managed to earn a few credits during this game, to be fair, and I was thinking at the time, brilliant. I can start buying some armor because I had gone for uh, quantity rather than quality for my guys. But that didn't mean that when you got shots through, they were quite vulnerable. Unfortunately, you did manage to um to to, to take Sushar out. He was essentially dead unless I gave him medical attention, which put me in a difficult predicament. I could either. Just leave him to die. Um, the Delacs had a similar situation with an operative called Black Nat, but Black yes. Nat only cost twenty-five credits. So Lee was like, "I don't care. It's going to cost me more than that on the medical insurance to bring him back. He can die, and I'll just buy a new Ganga. <laughs> with um, with Sue Shar costing ninety-five credits, I couldn't be quite that careless because that's essentially a tenth of my gang gone after game one. So I had to. Um, roll to see how much the uh, medical bill was going to be and that pretty much what i had i've got two credits left so i had just enough to pay my medical fee you know this is why it's good that we're an NHS. you don't need to scrap together credits when you need the doctors um, <laughs> no. any a, a, you know a, a single pip further on that dice and i wouldn't have be able to afford to pay for it and he would have died uh, so thankfully he's only got brain damage no, so thankful. he'll be fine <laughs> he'll be, <laughs> he'll be yeah. fine There's nothing wrong with him he'll, he'll, he'll get over it but um again that while i did pretty well to get one of the cashiers, and I, I think we were playing one of the compared to uh lee and dave we had a lot more credits on offer didn't we and we both did pretty well you obviously though had two cashiers unhindered and no medical fees to pay and i think you ended up with what 120 credits jay
3: it was something like that. yeah.
2: let me get me. Um, let me
3: get my sheet up. So I went from being one of the um, the the, the um, poorest Horrist. gangs in the campaign to one of the wealthiest. So yeah, I think I walked away with a hundred and twenty something credits from that from that game.
2: That's pretty impressive. It was one hundred
3: twenty. I mean, that was right because you rolled ad you rolled a d sixteen for each one. I rolled two. I rolled twelve or two sixes.
2: Yeah. In fact, I must have got ten. I must have got six. Nine, I got sixty credits. So it was a a high earning game. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, I had to spend all mine recovering my uh, um, my dust rider, who is absolutely going to get revenge on that guy with the bolt gun that killed him. Of I think Gunderson. it was him that killed him as well. Yeah,
1: well Guff Gunderson me. will be getting Um
2: So yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was the first game using the Ashways Nomads. The first thing on my shopping list is some armor for most of my guys because they do need it. But I thought if I've got bodies, if I do lose somebody. I've still got bodies on the table where, in my upcoming game against Dave, you are going to be possibly outnumbered two to one, depending on the scenario.
0: Mhm. Yeah. We'll have to see how the, the mission plays. Hopefully, I can be a bit defensive. Um, I'll be in trouble if I've got to attack your territory.
2: Yeah. Um, how did you find playing against the um, Ashrays Nomads compared to the the close range antics of the D'Lac, Jay?
3: Um. So this was only my second uh, second um, game of Necromunda. So when I played the Delight game, we were still getting used to the rules and things like that. Um, it was a much more close range battle. So there were lots of close range weapons. And the Delight gang, certainly, they had a lot more tricks, I felt, with their sort of web guns and short-range melter guns and things like that. That said, in this game, I can definitely see the potential of the Ashwace Nomads with that shaman sort of bringing in the sandstorm. And all your um, long rifles and missile launches with the the ammo uh, resupply pack and not only that but the speed that you know you got straight on those objectives and i think actually you know potentially you could have made a dash for two of them in in your first second turn before i even got close to getting to one of them i had to but the squats have only got short legs and i had to get up those ladders and across those gantries to get into the first one and then across the gantries again um and um so yeah it'll be interesting when we have some uh, some rematches how the uh how the Ashways Nomads use their speed to their advantage, I think. He'll yeah. also be interested, I think, how the Ashways Nomads perform in the close range sort of firefights of a of a regular sort of industrial type battle, you know, the, the traditional Necromunda type games. Uh, and I think that's certainly where you'll see your investment in the armor pay off.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I've got we didn't see it on there because I never really closed the distance to you, but a lot of my guys have got lances, which is a new weapon in Necromunda where I can make a close combat. Attack as I move past you with the lance. So I don't have to engage you, but I get a hit on you.
3: Right, yeah.
2: So, yes, yeah, so that, that'll be fun. Um, unfortunately, like my, my plan was run my guys up, but you got a lucky shot on my sniper turn one, and a lot of my juves just immediately legged it, which in hindsight was did. probably That's a good right, idea. Yeah. <laughs> I um, forgot about
3: that. <laughs> Failed their cool check. Which,
2: which did even the numbers, and then the poor sniper spent most of the turn most of the game bleeding out on the floor stood up took a shot for your leader missed and then i think got shot again so um, yeah <laughs> yeah it didn't go well my my similar to, to dave my leader didn't want to get leave himself exposed to a heavy stubber that was uh, rattling across the battlefield. and um, so he threw his um sky mantle over himself if you've seen um Lord of the Rings, where Frodo puts his elven cloak over him and you can't see him. That's essentially what all of the Ashway Snowmans have got for a double action. And arguably, I could have done that at turn one with a lot of my guys and wait for you to close the distance then pop out and shoot you. Yeah, yeah. Um, We also saw some of the um, gang tactic cards come into play. I planted a mine on the battlefield and your tank drove over it. and That was a bit of a last-ditch gambit to Potentially flip your vehicle and d- do some monetary damage to you by taking out your vehicle early,
3: <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, it just turned it on the spot, didn't it? And it allowed me to line up my uh, my ramming attack on one of your um, one of your fleas. Unfortunately, I never made it though, it didn't roll high enough.
2: No, it was a shame, but it was really enjoyable first game. I was lucky to have enough credits to pay for medical bills. Otherwise, I would have been in a really, really bad shape. It did mean, however, that you now have control of the flat, which means you've got, a, you've got the Iron Ridge, you've got the flats, The clear way is still free. Five ways, unfortunately, you have to take off lead during the second half of the campaign. But then going from Syndrax City to Light's End via the Spider Mines, you and Andy are due a game on the All Road. So that is a game that both of you guys are probably very interested in the outcome of.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. The ore road. That's a trade route there. So uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it depends on who wins that. If, if Andy wins that, then the ore pass is going to be in contention, isn't it? And then likewise on the other side, I'll be looking to try and grab the clear way to challenge the Delac for the five ways later in the in the campaign.
2: And... Yeah. So if you have not played any of your games yet, but you've got um the aforementioned all road you've also got the outcasts passage against lee and again i think andy you've picked some strategic trade routes here to set you up for the second half of the campaign
1: yeah definitely um i mean i'm trying to sell obviously a decent trade route and try and link back to um uh, what's the hive city uh uh, basically i'm just trying to try and set up some good trade routes and try and get all those credits coming in and my plan is basically just to try and um beef up my uh warband my my squad um and, and try and overpower the other squad that's basically my the general gist of um what i'm going to try and do with the power forces and obviously you know i'm probably going to be playing J for the ore road first and yeah, I'm pretty sure the ore road has um, uh, a height restriction um, in order <laughs> to enter it. You have to be certain height. So I, I think the uh, polynite Enforcers will come off well in that one. Although, uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll give it a go. But yeah, looking at like Necromunda stuff, obviously, this is like my first jump into it. Um, and you know, I, I didn't even realize you could fall downstairs and break your neck, you know. <laughs> and then when, um, Dave was telling us about, um, Tanya blowing up two of Lee's gangers with demo charges and stuff like that, 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 that to me sounds super cool. So, um, yeah, I think I'm going to use obviously this, this campaign as an intro for Necromunda. I can iron out all the kinks throughout the campaign. And then when we do another one, because let's face it, we're probably going to do another one at some point. Then I can really jump into it w- with a warband and and know what I want to do and stuff like that. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I'm super excited.
2: So obviously we've got we've got some future games. So um, uh, All Road I think it's gonna be an important one with you two guys. But there's another important battle that's potentially next Thursday, which is potentially for the first trade route of the game between Crater's Edge and the Rust Deeps so that is the uh creator's edge in the rust deep the crater run for hive scum like myself that is worth three d6 times 10 credits which would be really useful for me to start buying some armor on my guys all i need to do is beat a heavily depleted orlock force and i've on average got what 70 odd credits coming in every every game Mm. Which hopefully means I can start gearing up my guys and and getting ahead a little bit, so <laughs> I guess really the rest of you probably wanna beat want Dave to beat me just so I haven't got that advantage of cash coming in
0: yeah i think I think you're right, I think there's a lot of pressure on my next game, but you know I might be a little bit depleted, but I've now got a game under my belt i've got uh, a feeling of what all my weapons can do. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll see how we fare against those nomads. It should be an interesting game.
1: How I'll many more um, demo charges have you got, Dave?
0: I haven't got any. Um, Tanya's the only one that's equipped with them, and she can use them <laughs> once per game. And sadly, she's sitting this one out. So um, no demo charges to the nomads, at least not in this next game anyway. Who so
2: I take it, Dave, in this one, you'd rather be playing out in the waste so you can use your vehicle
0: that that would be helpful i think yes um you you say that i think if we played in the zone mortalis i might be able to play to my strengths a little bit better even with a depleted warband so i don't know there's there's bonuses to both really
2: yeah um so the 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 mount you you can use stuff on arbitrators you know um permission Within the zone mortality, but it's going to make life difficult. There's not going to be much room for my mounted stuff to move through it. To the point where I might be better off going on foot mm-hmm. because it's just going to be. I'm basically going to make bottlenecks for myself and get my guys killed. So yeah, it is an interesting one. It'd be fun to uh, have a game out in the waste because I want to blow up your vehicle, Dave, adding <laughs> something to injury. Um. So yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what I prefer. I just know that you're two of your decent gangers are having a little bit of a sleep and i want to try and take advantage of this to take croc pass and then once those games are done we've just got a game against lee and andy on the outcast passage and then we're ready for the second month and at that point we we're credits again for all of our territories of which jay's now i've got a couple now lee's got a couple now um i've potentially got a trade route by then and then we could start to see a bit of a a divergence in the gangs where certain gangs have got more resources than others but that also means that those underdog gangs are going to get additional uh triumph cards to be able to use to to subvert things a little bit and also you know lord Helmore doesn't see the the underdog in vain he may give assistance to or even call bounties against some in- Individuals that he thinks are acting unlawfully and taking the law into their own hands. So it may not be an advantage to be too far ahead in this game. I'll have to see. I've also heard reports that there is a heavily fortified uh, transport travelling towards Cinderac City that has employed a bounty Hunter gang to defend it. So I'd hate to see that thing fallen upon by the various houses of Necromunda. Uh, It'd probably be quite profitable, but there will be blood
0: well that uh, that sounds pretty intense uh and i think a good point to jump off this segment so we'll keep you all updated on how our Necromunda campaign pans out over the next few weeks but um i'm sure one thing's for sure it's going to be a lot of fun right we are not quite finished with this week's podcast because we do have a very interesting top three coming up next so keep listening In last week's news we mentioned that Chaos Demons are getting a codex very soon as Matt quite rightly pointed out by the time this year is out we're going to have had nine edition codexes for all of the major factions for Warhammer 40k which in the time frame of things potentially means that next year we're going to have a new edition 10th edition could be on the horizon so with that in mind matt settles the challenge this week of coming up with our top three changes we'd like to see for 10th edition so things in ninth edition we'd like to see tweaked so actually matt i think we're going to start with you on this one uh, what would your top three be uh, in regards to changes
2: okay so i think when ninth edition landed it was it was kind of sold as being sleeker and quicker and we had these really, really slick stratagems and All that. Now, unfortunately, over the course of the last few years, I think it's kind of started to collapse under its own weight. So my top three really revolves around that. So coming at number three, I would like to see 10th edition scrap stratagems. Just gut those stratagems massively and maybe have a handful of universal ones and a handful of army ones or even scrap the army ones completely. And instead, bake those abilities into profiles so if you've got a cool thing that would be a stratagem just make it into the, the the standard data sheet make it into the standard data slate make it into the standard data sheet for the unit and then you can point it appropriately some of the kind of changes and fixes to the the, the system has been because you can with clever stratagem use make an army perform way better than it's pointed for Especially when it's fighting an army that maybe doesn't have optimizable stratagems like that. And I don't think the game should be decided by who knows the right combo of stratagems. That I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I just don't feel that personally. I'd rather it be baked into the unit profile. And then you haven't got the situation where, at the minute, you're potentially flicking through three different books, trying to find this killer combo of stratagems. Mm. That's yeah. not bag
0: yeah i can i can see your point there um
2: so i want to get rid of stratagems it it, really get rid of them completely and just have um them baked into the rules. that kind of leads into my second point which is something that we've seen in horus heresy to amazing effect and that is reactions that makes the game much more interactive me and jen I had such a good game of Horus Heresy where it's really tense because in your movement phase, you're very conscious of what you're doing because your opponent can do something in your turn. Mm. Have these various reactions that kick in for shooting, for combat, for moving. And it makes a much more tactical and interactive game where you're both thinking all the time and everybody's engaged rather than, Dave, you're having your turn and I'm just going to sit down for 10 minutes until you're finished. I, I also like
3: think, it, yeah, I think it, went, it goes somewhere. We've had very limited experience with Horacy so far. A couple of games, we've got, we're have got. we going to be playing a load of games against you know, a load of different opponents over the weekend. So it's going to be great. And I think at that point, we'll have a good, we'll be able to really comment on how well the game plays and that kind of thing. But straight away, I think the sort of reaction mechanic that Horacy has got really deals with the alpha um, strike sort of situation we see, where sometimes in the first turn, you get mauled that badly before you've even got a chance to move any of your models that you can't recover from it, and in the re- with the, uh, the, the introduction of reactions and Horrors' heresy, you're much more resilient to those strikes. because the the opponent, you know, with their death star units that come in and try and do a load of damage to your army, you can react against them. You can shoot them. You can move away from them. You can counter charge them. Some legions have extras like um, legion specific reactions they can do that they can really sort of um, cripple an alpha strike. Um, and to me, in, certainly in eighth edition and through ninth edition. Even in Age of Sigmar, to a degree, the Alpha Strike is really off-putting for me. And I I like our reactions of sort of taking the the sharp edges off of that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's something I'd like to see. My number one choice, though, is kind of a twofer. I've put less bloat. And by that, I mean, we all know what we're talking about when we say feel no pain or deep strike. But these aren't actually concepts within Warhammer 40,000 edition. Every army has its own different flavour of that. Now again from playing heresy, universal special rules where you've got this ability like a five plus wound shrug or the ability to deep strike into the battle and just have that as a defined rule that could apply for any army that has the relevant rule. I just think from a from a knowing what an army does point of view makes the game run a lot faster. Yes you've got universal special rules to learn and kind of pick up but once you've picked them up that then applies to any army and it's easier to remember than each individual army having its own rule that does something similar i think it's kind of gone back a step from the 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 older editions where we had those universal special rules so that is really something i'd like to see added back into the game again
0: yeah okay i i i i get that um I, I do get that. I mean, I'm not too personally bothered by the fact that, you know, we all know what Deep Strike does. Okay, these, these other armies have different names, but you don't really need to know the names. You just need to know what the ability does. But why not just does. call the ability
2: Deep Strike? Yeah.
0: I think they've done it for flavor, haven't they? So in, instead of just having it, you know, these other armies have got the same thing, but with a name that's more suitable for their army. So, but yeah, I, I get that. I I do. I do get that. Um, well, let's move on to you, Jay.
3: Um, what, what would your top three changes be? <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, my number three choice is exactly the same as Matt's, and it's to to remove stratagems altogether. Um, I think Horus Heresy does a great job with reactions. There's a core set of reactions you can use in each phase, and then on top of that, each Legion gets access to a specific Legion-specific stratagem. It has a bit of flavour to that, that Legion. I don't know why that model can't work for Warhammer 40k as well. You get... I mean, I look at the Craftworld Eldar Codex, the most recent 40k Codex I've um, reviewed and and played with. Um, We went to the doubles tournament, Dave. I think I used two or three stratagems out of the whole thing. There Mm. are that many stratagems that just take up space in the Codex that are never used. Um, There's stuff on there that only certain units can use. Um, You know, a special kind of missile for the whirlwind space marine tank. Like masses, just shove that on the data sheet of the whirlwind tank as a once per game ability it can use. Um, yeah. Then if it, if it needs tweaking, you just tweak it, and it only affects that that data sheet. Um, there's so many like that smoke launchers things. They just make smoke launchers a once per ability, once per game ability that a tank can do. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think I think it will remove pages from Codexes. It, it should hopefully avoid these situations where, like Matt said, you get these power combos of stratagems that you can use. Um, you've still got that element of flavor in there because you know you you get a faction specific stratagem or I don't know something like that so yeah I think I think stratagems at first I did like them I thought they were great I thought when they were first introduced there were some issues that some armies were able to make better use of stratagems because just the way that those armies were built allowed you to, to sort of start the game with more command points and other armies didn't quite have that you know if you were playing like an elite army you, you struggled sometimes to build those detachments that got you those command points so you were a sort of at an unfair advantage against other 8th edition armies in 9th edition I think they did a good job of tackling that problem with the way command point generation works and the the, the instruction of the command phase um but now I, I just i just it gives me a headache trying to figure out what stratagems do i need to use and it slows the game down because you're like oh, hang on i think i've got a stratagem i can use in this yeah. instance and you're pouring through the pages oh no actually it doesn't apply here i've read it wrong so so yeah i, I think they, i think they can learn a lot from from horus heresy so yeah Would i you agree like with something
2: closer thinking. to age of sigma with the more limited command point pool and yeah have some stratum equivalents but just universal ones a handful of
3: yeah i think they've got options and that's something that works very well in age of sigma i mean you obviously need some sort of um cost to these abilities or or some sort of um you know um, resource, resource to, to manage yeah um but but i mean I, I i think i would quite like to keep it keep it simple a once per game ability that they're just you know on the on the data sheet so you, you know you, you the 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 skill and the that the, the, it comes in and determining when best to activate that ability because it's only a once per game. I think that works really well in Horus Heresy where you've got those once per game Legion-specific reactions and you have to gauge when the best time is to use that reaction and then once it's used, it's spent and you can't use it again. Um, so I, yeah, hopefully they've got more experience now. Like you say, with Age Sigma of Horus Heresy, they can look at stratagems, but I just think, so I don't know, these are made up statistics but like 50, 60, 70% of the stratagems in the Craftworld Eldar Codex, I just don't even use... Um, so yeah, that's my number three choice. Um, my number two choice is um, my biggest bugbear with Warhammer and Warhammer Forty Thousand and other systems as well is that you get an army book or a codex that comes out at the beginning of the edition, brand new. Necrons came out, the Space Marine codex come out. They've got some really cool mechanics in there. They, they they're interacting with the new rules. It's all great. And then twelve months down the line that codex is just it just can't compete with the later codexes or it struggles to compete with later codexes and then you get all of these changes that come in to try and keep that codex up which i did like i like those balanced data slates that games workshop now produce but if you look at the amount of stuff they've had to apply to the necron codex to to allow it to to keep competing with these later codexes that come out Um, and i think that's i don't think there's much they can do to to prevent obviously as Games designers and rules designers and playtesters, they get more familiar with the the new edition. They're able to try to think, and then they have to make each codex a bit, you know, introduce something new to to make it appealing to new to new customers and things like that. I understand all that, and it, and it, and I, you know, I can see how that why why it's done that way. But I think maybe there are different things they could do to sort of limit the impact of those. Sort of, they call it codex creep. Um, And if you look at what they've done with the Horus Heresy, they've released the Liber Astartes and the Liber Hereticus. Every Legion's got their rules. All their special characters have got their rules. All the unique army mechanics and and Legion-specific stuff is all there right from day one. So Mm -hmm. everything is at a level pegging. You know, there's not going to be, you know, the the Sons of Horus come out straight away, and then in two years' time we get the Ultramarines, and the Ultramarines are just so much better than the Sons of Horus. And I really like that. It's like a level playing field for for every army. And they did something similar at the launch of Eighth Edition uh, with the index. Was it index? index?
2: The indexes,
3: yeah. Yeah, which I would like. They were quite quite generic. It was just unit profiles and things. And I would like to see more flavor in there for the army army factions and things like that. Um, so I would like to see some. You know, tenth edition comes out. Here are the rules for all of the existing code. Here are all your tenth edition codexes. Um, and then they can add, you know, through campaign supplements or crusade supplements or even what they are doing with the Horus Heritage with the expanded rules PDFs where they release a new unit for a legion. They could yeah. easily do that over the course of 10th edition. You know, your core army and your core army rules are there from day one, but you might get a new unit. And and a new unit isn't going to make a codex super powerful or super better than any other codex. And I think that might be a good way to tackle it.
2: And you can um, fully lean into the digital side. 10th edition comes out and every army is available on the app, but then they, they release PDFs and stuff, which are then compiled in campaign books that come out over the course of the edition.
3: Oh. Yeah. I think it could be quite interesting. And I think what you might see then is you might see, you know, one month you get a new unit for the space Marines The month after the, the crap old Eldar got a new aspect squad. The month after that, a space Marine army gets a new model month. After, you know, they could really do, I think that'd be great. And you know, you wouldn't be waiting I mean, potentially we're looking at a situation here where the Ironhead—not uh, the Ironhead Squads, sorry—the leagues of Otan get a get a get a Codex in in ninth edition. We haven't seen anything concrete about tenth edition, so we can only assume at this point that oh, the Astra Militarum—they're th- 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 going to get their ninth edition Codex right at the end of an edition, and and we saw it with the Gene Steel Cults, and they were really hurt by the transition mm-hmm. from eighth to to ninth, or was it was it seventh to eighth? I can't remember now. Um, Harquins as well. So, you you know, you, you wait for it. Like the poor Astra Militaran players, they've been waiting for an entire edition for a brand new codex, only for it to be completely out of date. Well, not completely out, but, you know, back Replaced to by the again. new edition. Yeah. yeah. I to... And I think but if they did, if they released all potential. that at the start, you wouldn't get, you wouldn't have that problem. Um, but we'll see, we'll see. I mean, I, from what I've seen with what they're doing with the horror series stuff, I'm feeling really optimistic and really sort of... Um, excited to see what they do with with a 10th edition 40k i i get everything that you just
0: said jay um especially in regards to from day one being able to play your army in 10th edition how they're meant to be played but i don't like the idea of having this massive tome that's got all the rules in
2: for armies no 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 sorry all the books have come out separately on day one or pdfs for them i don't think we'd see every army in one big book because it'd be like ten thousand pages long
0: yeah. yeah i i sorry i i assume when you were talking about the libra Astartes that you're referring to some kind of tone
3: i was got... talking more about the content of the libra but i mean it, it does sort of tie on to my number one thing that i'd like to see so maybe dave you can park that thought for two seconds and come back at the end of my next my top one because okay you might see so my, my number one choice was that the rules are free and it's a living document in the app online digital um so then you would have your index Dave would be fully digital then, and it would be a living document there'd be versions of it and they can tweak it and they can amend it on the fly and they can add new units to it Um it works really well i think for systems like infinity where every month they're releasing new um units new models for each faction and their online sort of living rule book gets updated with the profiles for those armies as as they release those models um, so, so from a from a, a gameplay point of view, you're getting new rules for your because some people they they pick up one army and they stick with that army and then you know if you if you picked up the I mean what was one of the early the Necron book for example you picked up the Necron book when when ninth Edition come out you've not had any new plastic kits for the Necrons since the, the the launch of the edition whereas if if you if you adopted this model where you know Necrons could a new unit could be added to Necrons outside of that traditional sort of codex cycle you might every six months get a new unit, a new sculpt for the Necrons. I I think it would be a cool, exciting thing for for players. So, yeah, so you're right, Dave. I agree with you. No one wants to look around a thousand page hardback book with every single unit profile, especially if you only clip one or two armies. But all that could be online in digital form. Um, And then I do like physical codexes. Don't get me wrong. I love physical codexes. Um, But they could still make physical codexes. They could release them. separate to the rules themselves some people maybe wouldn't pick them up in that instance because they're not that interested in the law or all the narrative uh, elements of 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 the uh, sort of setting but inside that book you could you could here's craft world eldari um and inside craft world you got all the background for the craft world you also get an extended you know a bigger crusade section now because they've got more pages to devote to things like that expanded crusade rules and then at the back you say you know we've got some a, a, a campaign supplement here's a campaign you can play with a craft old eldaru some campaign relics and and different things like that just sort of change what codexes are used for
2: it also adds an extra added value element to the warhammer plus subscription because in a perfect world i imagine game plus wants every collector to be a warhammer plus subscriber and uh, yeah in the grand scheme of things does that work out better than some people buying books and a lot of people just using it through battle scribe and stuff if you've got people paying subscriptions and you're getting your rules content through that channel perhaps
3: yeah i mean certainly recently with codexes they come out and a week later the points are out of date in them the rules have changed in them and you're like, well, what have I, what have we just spent 30 pounds on a book for that? And now there's no point in me bringing it to a game anymore because you know, well, that, that's a bit stretching that a little bit, I think, because obviously you still got your stratagems and things in there. But it does feel like you've you've bought a product that's already out of date. And I <laughs> think if if they if they move the rules section into the app or a living document. I, I wouldn't feel so bad about that because I'd still pick up the codexes for the background, for the narrative bits, for the crusade content, for any extra stuff they can add in. Like that, ordinarily we now get like, look at the um, um, the, the 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 campaign supplements we've had for 40k with this, all the extra Sisters of Battle stuff in it, all the uh, extra Dark Eldar stuff in them. Well, what
2: about the the Thundia supplement for Age of Sigma, which is the 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 benchmark, I think, for supplements where you've got like in-universe Beast Diary where you've got an explorer writing about different creatures that he's encountered as part of a book yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. And, then, and then the beauty of that is that, that code it's, it's never invalid it never goes out of date then it's it's always valid for the entire edition because there's useful stuff in there that's not out of date from a match play point of view I guess it's the divi- the, the division between match play open play and the narrative stuff maybe mm. I mean, just some we've, suggestions
1: we, we've started to see it a little bit haven't we with putting points into like online and stuff like that yeah, for me, I, I'd like it if they added on um, a bit like with Age Sigma when you've got like the FAQs and stuff like that, they've added on like data sheet changes and stuff like that to the faction specific um, sort of FAQs and stuff. <clears throat> and for me, that would be a good way of kind of that middle ground. You know, you still buy a Codex, you still um, buy a Tome or whatever, But then if there are any updates everything that you need to play you know let's say daughters of came for example is in that one document you know the points are updated in that one document all of the faqs all the erratas everything like that is in that one document and there then realistically all you need to do is is print off that one piece of paper or that one document or whatever i mean you, you using the necrons as an example the codex that came out at the beginning of the ninth to what the codex is now is so vastly different that yeah. the, the codex on the shelf is 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 not representative of what the army is anymore, is it? So And and I mean
3: it's really great that Games Workshop have done that to bring the Necrons back up. You know, they've revisited the Necrons, they've tweaked them to so they can keep up with, with newer codexes. That's really good. Keep you know, I really like that they've done that um but then yeah then you sort of think well why release a a codex at all and why not do all of that for every army from the get-go from the beginning of the edition you know just keep it all updated online like that uh yeah
0: i i I, yeah i think that they're all very valid points the only thing that i would absolutely want to avoid um and you know you've you've said it yourself is i don't want them to get rid of physical codexes or physical rules i uh, you know i It's a backward step, but you know what I would like? Uh, And this will never happen because it's going against the grain of, of what, you know, is happening in the world. Everything's becoming digital. But I would absolutely love, I would pay a large amount of money to get a almost like a binder for my army that came complete with the current rules and and all the law and stuff and you just interchange pages in and out of that as the kind of rules change as stuff gets expanded you add extra pages into your you're almost like a binder and you could have pages that come with white dwarf um but that is obviously very like it's going against where the world is going in regards to digital content um but i do fear for the day where we don't get physical codexes anymore
1: yeah, I'm I what I'd like them to do, and I think they did it back in seventh edition 40k, is they split the narrative and the rules into two separate books for the rule so book that, side of things. Yeah, for the rule yeah, book. Yeah, enough kind of that. Things. Yeah. So I've got um, them upstairs. Yeah. I I think that would be a good step, especially for codexes and stuff like that. Is you know, split the narrative, split the the actual rules because. Let's face it. No one carries around the 40k rulebook because of all the narratives and stuff in there. That is amazing. Don't get me wrong, but you don't need it to play a game.
2: Yeah, exactly. And in the same with the codexes, you've got you know the first half of the book, narrative stuff that strictly speaking you're not going to be reading mid battle at Warhammer World, are you?
3: No, exactly. I th- I think myself. I think that's a good place for the Crusade stuff to go though.
2: Hmm. And, and you know, one thing i do like about aos that we don't see at all in 40k is those bespoke missions that we get you yes know, in, the, in the in the in the path to glory now you tend to have a couple of cinematic missions as part of your path to glory campaign it'd be nice to have crusade stuff like that within the codex
3: yeah they used to do it back in the day i remember the demon hunters one having a cool one um and yeah, and that's it. I think if you I mean look at space I mean Craftworld elder code is a good one, well, and the spaceman codex, there's like hundred and something data sheets in them. It's that like the big chunky codexes a lot of pages are given over to data sheets which get tweaked and changed over the course of the edition. Um you could use some of that space for what you've just suggested there, Matt, you know? Mm-hmm. Interesting stuff. Uh, I can't even remember if that was your top choice. <laughs> uh yeah, that was my number one choice okay quite quite the top one choice it should be 10th edition 40k what do i want to see i want to see 10th edition 40k <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: um andy uh how do you follow that up with your top three
1: um very quickly <laughs> <laughs> um so my third and second choice have both been talked about so i can really quickly go over them so my third choice is less downtime um and what i mean by that is more interactivity in my opponent's turn and like you said we've we've seen this in Age of Sigmar with um command points and you know things like redeploy and stuff like that and we've seen it in Horus Heresy with reactions and 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 just the the amount of tactical depth that that adds to the game but more importantly there's less of that my opponent takes 45 minutes to play their turn and i've effectively just mm. taken some armor saves and taken a few models off right you know now you've actually got choices you've got decisions you've got tactical ploys that you can do you know looking at Horus Heresy the, the big one that scares me is that return fire one you know imagine shooting at Jay's 10 auto cannon devastator squad and just thinking oh I really need to kill it but if I shoot it he, he could shoot back at me you know but that, that sort of like almost mind game for me is yeah. absolutely phenomenal and it is something that we are desperately missing from 40k um so that would that's my third choice. Um, my second choice is, yeah, straight up, fixed stratagems. Um, I mean, from my personal experience, like looking at like the Adeptus Custodes, for example, um, I took them to an event back in February. And what I did was I wrote down a cheat sheet of all the stratagems that the um, army composition of what I was running could use. And it, don't get me wrong it was very brief you know it was like oh transhuman you know plus one to wound of spears you know that sort of stuff but it did really help me but then it got me thinking i don't really want 30 stratagems that i only use six out of you know i'd rather just have six stratagems that are you know a bit more sort of universal to my army um that are actually useful um So I don't know what we need to do to fix stratagems, to be honest with you, but my honest opinion is have less that are worth more. Yeah. Um, And then you might actually, you know, feel a little bit of that bloat in 40K disappear. Um, But my first choice, my first choice is um, a pretty big one. And that's sort of like more crusade, campaign missions you know more narrative missions because at the minute crusade for me is don't get me wrong i like it i really do but it feels more like a almost like a a progressive thing that you're almost like leveling up kind of like playing pokemon right you know you've got a pokemon and, and you level it up as you know the more you play with it that sort of stuff that's what it feels like to me at the minute And looking back through some of like the chapter approved, um, I think it was chapter approved 2018, there's a mission in there. There's um, a series of three challenge missions. And one of them's like a headhunter, you know, kill your opponents, you know, headhunter, you know, like an Eldar Warlock, for example, or something like that. And you get a certain amount of stars depending on how quickly you can do that or, you know, whether or not you do it at all. Um, But there's a really cool one, which is basically like um, a last stand. And I can just imagine like um, an astro militarium outpost, you know, in the mountains, you know, and there's some Alpha Legion Chaos Space Marines and they're sort of like uh, the vanguard to a much larger force coming in. And they they want to secure a beachhead by taking out this, um, you know, um, comms relay in the mountains or whatever. And the, the scenario is basically, you know, in this particular situation, the Astro Militarium might have like 700 points and the Alpha Legion have like a thousand points, but it keeps coming on. You know, when you kill a unit, it comes back. You know, the, the idea is that the Astro Militarium in this situation will get wiped out. You know, there's no, there's no ifs and buts. They will get wiped out. But they get a star rating depending on how long it takes them not, you know how (laughs) long it takes them to die
2: yeah and
1: i like that kind of idea you know you have like a star rating in scenarios that eventually lead to an ending and you know depending on how many stars the astro military player gets determines the outcome of the campaign for them Mm -hmm. and you know stuff like that i really like and we've kind of seen it in like the crusade missions and you know that sort of stuff but it it, it it still feels like i want a bit more inspiration for my narrative um more than anything else i mean we played a game at warhammer war didn't we jay where my orcs had to teleport off the off the board we we're both <laughs> running for teleporters and you know trying to get off the board because the, the world is ending or whatever and that sort of thing for me it's like super cool but i'd like almost like a how to do a narrative campaign written into rules and with loads of like challenge missions thrown in there. You know, we don't necessarily have to be big pivotal moments in the campaign. It can just be like little side missions. You know, you could have a dark Eldar raiding force attacking a platoon of guardsmen, you know, defending an ammo factory or whatever. And then the next mission is on the outskirts of this ammo factory. And depending on what happened in that small mission you know, the, the guardsman might start the game with two hundred points less. You know,
2: yeah, So I I like this. It's like a scoring system. Like think think arcade game Crazy Taxi. We could all play Crazy Taxi and have the same experience, but Andy gets a D rank on the map, and Jay gets an A rank on the map, and that's a bit of kind of bragging rights for how you managed to fight this historic scenario.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean for me personally. It is what do you get out of this game you know are are you are you playing to win this game are you playing to you know what what do you get out of this game and for me personally the narrative is not necessarily winning your games it's about getting something out of it like again using that example with the challenge mission you've got a star rating well that would be really cool if you know in the first first time you play it you get two stars. But the next time you play it, you get four stars and then Mm. therefore, you know, even though you've got tabled two games, you know, you've got six stars, which means, you know, let's say you're playing it over six or seven games means you can't get the worst outcome for your army. And I, I like that fact that you could have like the four of us playing in a campaign, but each of us writes different endings depending on sort of how many stars we get over that campaign
2: Yeah, and you yeah, could yeah, have a faction lose a game, I say we'll go back to Heresy for an example, just because it's an easier one to do, but the drops Dropsite Massacre, the bad guys lose but you could get a star rating for losing that authentically and doing the best in your abilities, you're going to get wiped out regardless, however you you wipe out authentic to the narrative
1: Yeah, exactly so I I, I think my my top choice is basically just more narrative expansions. You know, I want Crusade 2.0, basically. Yeah, they they got off to a good start, I think, with the Crusade content we've seen
3: in the ninth Edition Codex. Some of them are brilliant. Sister the Battle 1, the Grey Knights 1's good. The uh 1's superb. So, yeah, I, I think they've really got into the stride with the sort of core Crusade mechanics for each faction. So it'd be great to see them expand on that. Like you say, some of your suggestions are... Yeah.
0: Peace. Nice. Uh, yeah, really good top three from from Mister Woods there. That just leaves me in in my top three, and I tried to, you know, I did have a peek at some of the ones on Twitter, and I tried to pick out three that maybe people were slightly overlooking. Although one of them, maybe Andy's, just pretty much stolen from me. Thanks, Andy. um <laughs> My third choice, though, um I, I mean, we've all mentioned them, so let, let's not mess around. Stratagems now. I actually quite like stratagems. I think they give another tactical edge to games. Um, I don't think they should be completely scrapped, but I do completely agree that we shouldn't see unit-specific strats. I think that they're just not needed. Just put them on the data sheet, um, or, or don't have them at all, or, or tie them to a keyword. Just there's no point there being a stratagem for one or two units. It's just a waste of ink. Um, universal stratagems. I like the idea of. Uh, army specific stratagems I, I do also like the idea of I, and i think having the resource management of um, command points um it makes you feel like you're playing like a, 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 a an rts on your pc it's not just about moving your models you've also got this other this resource and these stratagems that you can deploy at different points in the game i think it just needs to be slightly fixed and and maybe given more of a backseat it's still there but you haven't got four pages of them to try and rack your brain over. So that's my two cents when it comes to stratagems. I don't think I don't think it's completely broken. I just think there's 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 too there's too much choice there and it needs to be toned down. My second choice was was kind of really what Andy was just saying about Crusade and that. You know I do like the crusade books um I do like the the missions that they present and uh the campaigns and things like that, but let's go a step further um Matt, you put on our Twitter the other day a picture of the Triumph and Treachery box that came with one of the editions of Warhammer Fantasy. I'd love to see something like that for Crusade, where it absolutely delves into a campaign and rips it open so that you can fully get yourself immersed in this campaign. We're talking maps, we're talking tokens, we're talking the works, like really delve into that. And also what I would like to see more of um, is with the black templars we got like an upgrade spree which had like crusade relics on it let's see more of that nobody i don't want to see the same commander of an army if you've got a space marine player most of them are using the same space marine captain Uh, maybe that's a bad example because they've got quite a bit of range in that some armies literally just have like your HQ choice and they've got no custom um, customization. The sisters um, were going in the right direction with their canoness where you've got different builds for them. I want to see more of that. I want to see more unique HQ choices in Crusade where you can slap your own Crusade relics on them, where they're, they're, they're changing throughout the course of your campaign because you've got these upgrades that you can give them. Um, it'll also sell more kits because you might want to buy, pick up two of them, so one of them's a little bit further on the campaign when they're equipped with a different weapon or a different
2: helm or whatever um, and so love... like we see with Necromunda with the upgrade kits and you can have different loadouts and say in this battle i'm going to bring a sniper rifle in this battle i'm going to bring a bolter and i've exactly present that
0: exactly that yeah so i'd like them to 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 take the the groundwork they've done on the crusade which is great uh, and absolutely yeah blow it open because i think a testament to how well crusade is done is i think i've heard more people talk about crusade narrative in ninth edition than any of the other d- editions that have previously come before it you know they introduced us three ways to play i think in seven or eight but everybody was still playing match play now there's a genuine like what do we play this afternoon do we have a game of match play or actually you know do we have a game of um of narrative do we have a crusade game so um yeah,
2: yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to do... ambush. I'm going to ambush your second point here with an okay. unauthorized 2.5 that I'm going to throw into your list. But the uh, the Warhammer events team put on the Escape from Pankhalis event, which was potentially the best weekend of 40k I've ever had. Now, as part of this, you started the event with a binder, and over the course of the event, you, you, you unlocked other pages of lore, you got yeah. different like items. The missions were unlocked. Now, big in gaming at the minute. Are uh, legacy style board games rather than just being a mission pack with the missions in? If it was a boxed campaign set, say Escape from Pank Alice came in the box, came with the folder, you've got sealed envelopes that so you open oh, specific be times so during good. the event. It would how be. good would that be? Yeah, yeah, I mean, they do
3: stuff like that in the Curse City and Blackstone Fortress mm. where you have the sealed envelopes, so they could easily yeah. apply it to a campaign in
2: a box. That would be so cool. Is, we, yeah. we would Remember buy a 40 pound we... boxed. The Crusade campaign box more so, it, yeah. I think, than the Warzone books that are coming out. Do you yeah. get? Do
3: you get? Warhammer, do you get? Do you get the Stephen and Eddie dressed up as Genius Steel Cultist included? Like they turn <laughs> <Yeah. up. laughs> That would be <laughs> ace. Remember, we were at Warhammer World once, and they were demoing a box a bit like that, like, Legacy with stickers that you stuck on mm. the map.
2: It was a forty k one, wasn't it? Was it to do with the Vigilus or so? It was. We came out around the Vigilus. It was kind of a. It, it campaigns, it came out at the end of edition it's at the same time as Steele, which unfortunately kind of left it kind of on the shelves I think unfortunately, it was kind of like a new take on the uh, the planetary empire this thing, you know where yeah. you had the tiles but instead you had a map with lots of stickers and stuff, that would be cool but at that point in time narrative wasn't really no, an accepted thing was it?
0: No, not like it is now, so yeah I'd, I'd like to see More of
3: that. Oh yeah, a campaign in a box would be brilliant with envelopes and stuff. Yeah, Yeah. Because you could have your relics. I mean, in fact we got, didn't we? We got like some crusade relics from the Pancallis
2: event that we could take
3: home.
2: I remember the guy saying that they had worked with the forty K Studio to come up with these individual relics and rewards and stuff. Yeah,
3: that was fantastic.
2: Me and Andy are, yeah.
3: Yeah, man, I'm a holiday. I'd love to have gone to that one. Hopefully, I get to the next one. I mean, yeah, that was a great. That that was one of the best um, 40k events I'd been to. That one, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: that leaves just my my top choice. Um, and uh, I thought this was quite an interesting one because it's clearly something that they've kind of toyed differently with. Um, I would like them to fix faction scenery. Um, I really like the idea of have it of every army having its own unique faction scenery piece um i think it allows you to expand your scenery collection um i think the real statement piece g- gives you a building to to, to paint but they're just over pointed or they don't do anything um all
3: of the uh, webway gate which is brilliant and costs just perfect
0: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly they, they just need to fix it either make one for every army make them free such as age of sigmar uh, although even there not not every army has one in age of sigmar yet um or, uh, or or just try and balance the points better but i would definitely like them to see i'd definitely like to see a fix of faction terrain i'd I'd love to take my army and then a piece of scenery um to accompany them um when i go to tournaments and, and games nights and things um yeah it's just it, it's something extra to paint and i think they're they're really nice kits and they need to be given more attention really um such as they you know like they they are in age of sigma um yeah that's 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 really my uh, my top three now uh, we've all had really interesting suggestions but you guys have sent in loads of thoughts so we're going to take one final pause and want to come back with all the well as many as we can of this week's community top three picks be right back So it is time for our final segment of this week's podcast, and it is time to delve into our top threes. Now, a massive thank you to everybody. Um, you've sent in your top threes in droves. Uh, we're going to read out as many as we can, and we're going to start over on Facebook. And I'd like to say a thank you as well to Nick, um, because he's he's picked ones that I can actually read. Um, because uh, I think <laughs> last week was it last week Nick gave me names. I'm terrible at pronouncing what names. Um, so he's got it easy on me this week. His third choice. Had my first game of Heresy this evening and really liked the idea of reactions. So would like to see something similar in 10th edition 40k. His second choice is I really want that monster on front of the Codex Adeptus Mechanicus to get a model. Absolutely, Nick. 100% agree with you. And his top choice is Lehman Russ. It's about time we had another loyalist Primarch. Here, here. Also on Facebook, Curtis. His third choice is more non-imperial Actions. His second choice is more focused on new stuff like Tau auxiliaries such as Demiurge and others, Crew to get their own Codex, being that they have a bigger line than Vespid. And his top choice, similar to Nick, he's gone for another loyalist Primarch, Lionel Johnson, as he would be one if not the most interesting Primarch to return, as he could not be happy with Gulliman and him appearing self-appointed if he doesn't manage to speak with the Emperor first. So, yeah, I, I would love to see Lionel Johnson um, get a plastic kit and, and stand side by side with Gulliman to face off and see all these uh, demon Primarchs. Um, it, it's sure going to be fun to see what Primark they're going to announce next. Um, Matt, what do we have over on Twitter?
2: so we've got a couple over on twitter uh apologies if i don't read yours we've got a lot on here but i'll get through what i can so g ambulance services little reliance on gaming aids to improve immersion uh rules no more than four pages controversial and a few mechanics that make units too survivable games to be quicker and bloodier i agree i don't like where you've got rerolls on rerolls on saves and stuff stuff should be quick and brutal that has, uh, got, Rex, that has to be fair got better in ninth edition Yeah. So they are on the right track uh, another Rex says new chaos rhinos and vehicle kits uh, bring back easy to build kits and cheap hoard packs for each faction when i was a kid i could buy a 20 pound i couldn't buy a 20 pound kit so i grabbed the small packs of five or boys or guardsmen with my pocket money to be fair they do tend to bring out easy to build kits at the start of a new edition we saw a few for the necrons before saw some for the cruel boys and stuff in sigma so we probably will get some anonymous rex and uh iron warriors range honshu and perturabo Ooh, nice uh, adrian hearth simpler Slash less stratagems, maybe organised by phase like AOS, uh, a slower piece of game in speed and damage. Uh, it would be bad for top level tournament play, but it felt nice to get to move and shoot a bit even when losing. Yeah, that's, I guess the other extreme. Uh, and uh, Cypher's Cane Rules. Just this guy you know has a strategy phase where you get to activate a single ability for that phase from a list of options. That's cool. Reactive abilities, being able to do things in response to the opponent. And here's a really cool one. Casualty removal at the end of the round, not the phase. Mm. So if someone dies in, in, the, in the shooting phase, you remove the models at the end of the turn. Mm. Uh, Mark Dewhurst, remove stratagems, maybe two to three per codex with more universal ones. A new loyalist Primark. And all rules content free online. Uh, Fabius Fulgrim, one page of strats per codex, removal of actions, return to standard secondaries. Uh, Hayden says armor values and facing arcs on tanks, optional rule for narrative play, uh, scrap strats or one use only. That's not a bad idea. Uh, and universal special rules, bonus one, a meaningful morale phase. Uh, Glow Squid Hype says new models for older characters and demons b says alternate activations so that's one cool thing that we play in necromander where you each take turns activating a unit that'd mm. be cool for 40k uh, bring back cool rules so everyone is speaking the same rule language kind of what we mentioned earlier and mostly simplify it a game can be fun fluffy and tactical without so many rules all over the place rules for armies rules for detachments units stratagems cults relics it's too much i agree um luke seven Allies being the norm. I'd love to see Marines alongside Guard or backed up by a Titan. Battle Forged armies getting bonuses for being this way means that those armies have gone away. Uh, Darker Desires has universal special rules, get rid of command points, and named characters outlawed in match play. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, Wolfric says scrap stratagems, and I want Lemon Rust to return. Uh, itch-, itch-, itch your boy Mom says a Guard codex to come out before 10th edition. I think it will. I think it'll be in the next few months, don't worry. Um, pedro bantor awesome name orc war bands back to being multi-clan rather than treating clans as uh, similar to space marine chapters less converted terrain rules and distinguished blast weapons from weapons with high rate of fire i'd agree with that mm. uh, more war gear options for characters less focus on named characters i think especially in 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 crusade that'd yeah. be really cool
0: yeah absolutely 100 percent
2: um battle studio says card or chip based activation Regular playing cards, that is. No no branded stuff. So this would be interesting. We mentioned um, bolt action a while ago, where there's a bag, and each player puts in a coloured dice for each unit in their army. So if you've got more units, you've got more dice in the bag, essentially. And then each turn, you alternate drawing dice out of the bag, and if it's your colour, you get to move one of your units. Hmm. I think that's a really a cool way of doing it. Uh, scrap the concept of codexes and fewer abilities. Um, Joseph Cullen says, coming back to the game, I've been really happy with the depth of the rules and lots of competitive updates. What I want to see focused on in 10th edition is an improved user experience, less rule books, free updates and focus on balance, which I think they get in there. Uh, Sonic Sledgehammer says, everybody is told to open their codex to the stratagem section and take a big pull of a big handful of pages and pull as hard as they can. Yeah. I think this has been a common theme. People don't like stratagems. Uh, somber mine says, uh, reactions, pretty sure we'll see them. Streamline stratagems, just a few per codex and two or three universal. And controversial, but armour facing and hull points. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's cool for vehicles. Uh, Engel Humperdinck uh, says, <laughs> map out core weapon types, their strengths, AP values, etc. First. And then it's set against core army types. So uh armor of contempt uh a lot of things for Marine Chaos Sisters players, but with planning it shouldn't have been needed. So really, yeah. The the interaction between weapons and in particular high AP, high damage weapons has rendered power armor kind of useless. And I think that's really just weapon profiles in general need reworking completely, don't they? Mm, yeah. uh, jp Riley, the empress children the lion and reduce the stratagems down to the core book and then five to ten max per codex it's so difficult learning new armies and i can't imagine how daunting this is for new players right. uh art says get rid of stratagems car helicar alt activations like epic armageddon changes to stratagem to remove most by, but keep things like re roll remember when we used to use stratagems for a re-roll i'm going to <laughs> d10 or d20 To allow greater variation in stats than the D6. Now, I'm going off off script here, but we see a lot of Games Workshop going back to classic retro stuff. In second edition, we had stuff like space marines have a three plus save, terminators have a three plus save, but Terminators make their save on two D6. And you have Mm. still have armor modifiers and stuff. You also had weapons doing D6 damage, D eight damage, D twenty damage. That kind of stuff I think would work quite well in a new edition, especially if they nod back to the past again. Um, Chris Purdy says, Universal special rules on a more streamlined approach. Ninth edition got very bloated, enjoyed it to start with, but with each codex, things got too complicated. Mm. Um, Jack says, All codexes is released before they start on supplements, bring back generic rules, rather than each army having the same thing with its own wording, and an Empress children codex. Uh, mm-hmm. Nid Flanders, reactive abilities like in Heresy and Age of Sigmar, uh the raven board all rules available as ebooks alternate activations uh launch army shouldn't have space marines have two different factions hmm. uh the final fantasy dude says the return of blood angels having to roll to see if they fall to the black range before every game let it be random that's cool hmm. Lancer chris universal strategy <laughs> Lancer chris universal special rules returning stratagems being once per game and the line returns Tom Egan, alternate activations and scrapping of stratagems, BTT says yes like Age of Darkness 2.0 Eric Darker says the return of Lionel Johnson fewer layered rules per round rule changes and the Warhammer app working for Crusade and Dark Magic Posting says basically, Horus Heresy 2.0 but make it 40k
0: Excellent, lots of choices lots of variety um, in people's top 3 there as well um, but yeah, it seems that universally people do not like stratagems
2: no which uh, look it's gone from being pass them around and re-roll the dice to here here are 60 different ones i can use for my army and i don't remember most of them but top tier players will remember the five or six they need to chain together to win the game turn one or two
0: yeah 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 great stuff so matt that leaves me to ask the all-important question what is next week's top three
2: well, with the with this kind of news of a new edition of Warcry on the horizon, I want to know what three Warcry warbands you would like to see in this new edition of the game. Good question. Um, you can get your
0: uh, top threes in via our social media channels. On the Sunday and Monday before we record the next podcast, we will be putting the question on Twitter and Facebook. So you can just pop a comment or reply to the thread um, with your top three and we'll read out as many as we possibly can on next week's show that does sadly bring this week's episode to a close uh thanks again guys for 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 joining me it's been a fun one if a little warm yes (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we'll be back again next week hopefully it'll be a lot cooler until then have a great week at hobby and we'll speak to you all again very soon Bye.
2: Bye. bye
0: Thanks for listening to the Spruce and Brews podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruceandbrews.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at spruceandbrews or head over to facebook.com forward slash
2: spruceandbrews.